0: Wade opened his eyes. He felt a pitter-patter on his temple where blood was dripping down onto his cheek. When he winced in pain, a half a dozen other small lesions made themselves immediately known. The bright sun hung in the sky overhead and boiled the air the desiccated Wade's lips and eyes, its hulking mass hung bright in the sky above, shimmering in the scintillating airwaves. Wade surveilled his surroundings. He was lying face up in a ditch five meters from the road. Clayton was nowhere to be seen, but he could see his FXR sitting just on the ridge near the roadside. His own Dinah undoubtedly lay at the bottom of the cliff on the other side of the road. It's the last thing he remembers seeing before landing in his current dusty location. He tried to call out to Clayton, but he whinged in pain as his body rejected that order. Every bone and the upper half of his torso hurt. Every muscle ached. He tried to sit up, but to no avail. He wasn't sure, did he have a broken spine? Concussion? How long had he been laying here in this ditch, staring at that goddamn sun? Boiling in the heat. Again, he tried to look around and find any sign of Clayton nearby. From his vantage point, he couldn't see a thing. Trying to remember how he ended up here, he remembered the other biker. What was he on? It looked like a hybrid between a V-Rod and a M109R. Only when he turned corners, it seemed to lean much further than any cruiser. It seemed to hug the corners like a train on rails. The noises that came from that unholy exhaust That motor sounded like it was combusting brimstone and hellfire. And the rider with this thick sinewy neck, bulging forearms, no helmet, screaming through time and space, straightening the curves Seamlessly evading their chase, corner after corner, canyon after canyon. Suddenly he smelled what could only be described as burning flesh. The acrid stench of oil and gas catching fire stung his nostrils made the boiling air that much more intolerable. He was able to turn his head just enough to catch sight of Clayton. He was under his motorcycle and now he and the Dinah were alight. Burning like a morbid bonfire in the middle of this scorching desert. This arid landscape was fixing to be Wade's tomb. The last thing he would see and smell was his friend and their motorcycle, burning to a crisp
1: right in front of his blurring eyes. His blood and sweat blurred his vision Fog of
0: realization clouded his mind It was at that point That Wade realized One should never drive through Buttfuckers Gulch Unless they're prepared For the final reaming Moto One Podcast Network Listening to Creative Writing, the motorcycle podcast so bad we received an ASBO in Wales. We've been voted best motorcycle podcast five times by David Caruso impersonators across the globe. Check us out on patreon.com forward slash creative writing to find out how you can support the show. All right. With no further ado, let's get into this week's topics. This week's shows, this week's arresting conversations. Ah, hell, I'm out of here. Who am I fooling? All right, everybody. (laughs) Welcome to Solstice Slam number six. This is the sixth Solstice Slam. Uh, That was a tale by me, uh, Junkie, the host of the show. Welcome to Solstice Slam, everybody. With me is Tobor. Hey, Tobor, how you doing? Junkie,
2: that tale brought a tear to my eye,
0: so to speak. A tear to your eye. Here, let me pot you up a little bit, Tobor. uh Turn up your microphone a little bit. It brought a tear to your eye. It made you weep. That's wonderful.
2: Yes, weep. You could say.
0: All right. Well, what exactly? What exactly do you mean by that?
2: It brought a tear to my brown eye and made me weep. This brown lubricant. <laughs>
0: you, you jackass. I love you, Tobor. Yeah. Welcome to the Solstice Slam. That was my. Uh, that was my. Uh, What's it called? Submission to this, this year's show. So I hope you loved every second of it. Don't ride through Buttfuckers Gulch without a helmet. proper protection. And unless you're willing to finally meet the end. The rear end. What about you, Tibor? You got any cool stories for this Salsa Slam that you want to share? Salsa Slam number six?
2: I am not programmed to have cool anecdotal memories, even though I oddly have other random relevant information to share when it's convenient for you.
0: Fair enough, fair enough. Well, everybody, welcome to Solstice Slam number six. We are going to get underway here on this year's show. We have, well, there's a couple things I want to address, too. We've got a few uh, people writing in about the uh, Central Coast Ride Show, uh, and I wanted to say thank you. And also, Kelly oops, I will bleep that out. Uh, Kelly B. uh, wrote in asking about uh, the cot. That Wiggins had from that show, uh, and they're not the only one that asked about it. There's a there's a um, couple of people that. Okay, there we go. Filter turned back on. The uh, sorry, you had to hear my real voice, folks. Um, so Kelly's not the only one. There was a couple of people that asked about Wiggins' cot and uh, Sid Sidon's cot, Wiggins and Siggins um, and I think somebody else asked about the foldable chair that they had. Uh, you know, they're off doing fun stuff today out riding in the wilderness of California. They invited me to go, but of course, uh, didn't, uh, have salsa slam to do. Plus I had a, uh, something for my kid today. So, uh, I'm here doing the show and answering questions that I don't have the answer to. I'll get you the name, uh, Kelly of that cot, um, or a link to it. I know he got it off Amazon, because he got a collapsible chair and his tent there as well. Um, Yeah, it was pretty trick, actually. So I will try to get those. I'm going to send you an email with the picture. Maybe that'll help out. So at least you can get that. Um, Also, thank you for everybody that submitted something, uh, you know, in the form of a crash story this year. Uh, We got our Patreons all ready to, to go and hats thrown in the bucket, along with the crash story submitters this year. Um and I just want to say thanks uh for making this uh you know a good return. Hopefully we do it next year, it'll get even bigger. Um and I think I'm gonna promote it a little better, I think, next year. So uh this year we do have some gift certificates. Uh gift certificate for me to say. we got some gift certificates. We have a a couple cheesy uh creative writing swag things. We have some handmade gifts for me and Tobor. Tobor's is much better than mine, actually. And we have somebody who's going to get a helmet this year. So, uh, yeah. So, a bunch of cool things. Um, I did want to say, also, I know that we we said submit anything. Music, art, you know, pictures, stories, you know, crash stories, all that fun stuff. Um, I did want to say thanks to uh, Rob last year for submitting some cool art. I think I think it was Rob and his daughter... Um, and I went ahead last year and totally forgot to, uh, to send Rob and his kid, uh, a little art package for, for making some really cool show art. Um, unbeknownst to Rob, I did turn his, uh, submission into a design. So Rob, I'm going to try and get you that this year, um, for Social Slam. And also Rob submitted the, one of the coolest crash stories this year. So this year we have a few that are going to make it into the hat and finally, to top it off, we're going to do a best of Solstice Slam, to leave you with something amazing this year. And also, it wouldn't be Solstice Slam if Junkie Turdman didn't play a little thing called the automatone or the uh, uh, Cigar Box Guitar. I can't remember what it was called. I mean, I made it myself, and I can't remember what it was called. The Cigar Box Guitar, the Kazoo, the Harmonica, whatever it is that I might end up playing this year. Maybe I'll click my pen. A thousand times uh, in your ear, um, but yeah. So, so you're gonna get something this year for uh, for me, and not more tail. And uh, maybe I'll give you purely tails from Buttfuckers Gulch. Maybe that's what I'll do this year. And uh, yeah. So let's get into this year's show. Uh, with no further ado, you've waited long enough. You've waited 11 minutes, uh, 11 whole minutes, almost 12 here. So good, good for you. And uh, let's get into this year's show. <laughs> best of Solstice Slime This is it the episode we've all been waiting for solstice slam solstice slam in all of its glory let's get to it i said let's get to it (laughs) oh well wait If you don't know how to work a kazoo, they're pretty fucking complicated. That's why the guy has a PhD in astrophysics and uh, music, is because that's the two things that you have to have to really master the kazoo. our first submission is coming from Paul and Paul lives halfway between me and San Diego. I've no I've, I've mentioned Paul before on the show. Uh, I would definitely consider Paul a very avid motorcyclist and recently a world traveler. And Paul and I have spoken offline. Well, online via email, uh, several times. And yeah, he's really like stimulated some ideas, uh, in my head about the industry and motorcycling in general. And, um, Right now, as of, as of this recording, he's unemployed, but he's not really. <laughs> Let's hear from Paul. So
3: here is my contribution to Solstice Slam. I'm going to provide an inventory of my motorcycles. Uh, this is everything that I've, that I've currently got, uh, mostly in my garage. There's a few dirt bikes in the, in the shed out back. Uh, my first bike uh, is a 1997, 1994 uh, Honda VFR 750, the Interceptor. This is one of the uh, what, what's referred to as the fourth generation VFRs. And I've had this one for about uh, 12 years or so, maybe a little bit more. And this is the bike that I primarily did my commuting on for for those 12 years uh, back and forth. It's about a 70-mile commute each way. And this bike has 261,000 miles in change. Um, And after that, uh, when that bike hit about 150,000 miles, I think... I bought a 1997 VFR 750, same fourth generation model, looks basically the same. Um, but this one, I uh, I didn't put a luggage on like I did with the 94, my first one. That's got a, a big 52-gallon or liter, 52-liter uh, trunk on the back, givey trunk. Uh, and then... Uh, after that, I kind of went on a spree of, of buying VFRs. I have a 1995, uh, what is this? 1995 VFR 750. This one has some soft luggage on it, the the saddlebags and the and the tail bag. Um, it's also uh, got a, a one of those uh, things to hold the phone. On the front, and uh, let's see over at my wife's house is a 19, another 1997 VFR that I bought shortly after that. That one's got uh, the, the previous owner had painted it gray. Uh, I'm not sure why he just he said he liked the color gray. Uh, and that one's geared a little bit shorter and it's got a, a really loud pipe on it too. Um, that one's up in my wife's house. I use that to uh, travel around when I'm at her house. And uh, let's see. And I also had I had another 1994 VFR 750. Uh, I I recently gave that to my nephew when he went to Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. Um, so that that was that was my fifth VFR. But then so that one's gone. And then also in. Um, in the garage, I have my 2000 Yamaha V-Max. Uh, I love this bike. This is a bike that I always wanted as a kid. It's my second V-Max. I had an 85 um, a while ago, and then um, and that one sat for a while, and I wasn't riding it, and then I sold it, and then I kicked myself for not having a V-Max. So I, I found one a few years ago, and um, that was in good shape. So I bought that, and I love it for cruising around town. Then also in the garage, I have... a 2011 Yamaha WR250R dual sport. Um, I bought this because as a family, we're kind of getting a little bit more into dirt bikes. And I was tired of having a bike that uh, had trouble with carburation, depending on the elevation it was at. And this one is nice. It's liquid cooled, it's electric start, it's fuel injected. So it, it doesn't have any of the problems associated with a typical um, dirt bike. And then uh, not too long ago for Christmas last year, I bought my wife a 2014 KLX 140 uh, that she just loves. That one's also Electric Start. And then in the garage right now, I've got a XR-80 that my wife was riding. Uh, it's like a 2000 or 2002, something like that, uh, four-speed and, and kickstart. And that's the one she learned how to ride um, or learn how to uh, use a clutch and, and shift on that one. Uh, before that, uh, she was on the 2003 KLX 110, which is a three-speed with no clutch. Um, we still have that one. My younger son rides that one now. He's, uh, he's not too into dirt bikes, but when we go out as a family, he'll, he'll ride that one around. He's just not interested in learning a clutch and, and getting all into it, so we just let him tool around on that. And then uh, out back in the tool shed, we've got um, my older son. He's got a 03 or 04 DRZ125 that he really likes. Um but then also my old bike, uh 1996 XR two fifty, uh which is which I just absolutely love. It's a it's just a total bear. It's got uh, disc brakes front and rear and, and it's just I mean it's just unstoppable. But when I was going back and forth between here and Utah at the higher elevations, that one was just it was such a problem with carburetion. Um uh, but the last time out of Johnson Valley, my my older son was driving that one around, so that was kind of neat to see him on uh, on my big bike. Uh, so that is the the current inventory of my bikes, and that puts me just about six minutes. So that should do it for my contribution to Solstice Slam. So it was a pleasure providing this for you, and I can't wait for the next episode.
0: Well, FYI, FYI, BT dubs, blah, blah, blah. I have Paul's gray one that he was talking about, the one that was at his uh, wife's other house before they moved in together. So many things have changed over the last few years, and I think I've had this bike since 2018 or 19. I want to say 2018. Uh, 19, 20, 21, 23, going on four years now. I've had his bike in my garage uh, making little tiny tweaks to it here and there Paul it's about time I get it back to you buddy And I think it's going to be the second To the last one in your stable So great Great blast from the past from Paul From Social Slam 1 Let's uh, jump to something else From Social Slam 1 Alright let's get on to the next Submission this one comes to us From a gentleman named uh, Gene and he lives Down in San Diego
4: Never on Sunday. I had gotten out of the Navy a short time before Never on Sunday movie came out. I had bought a Honda 175, a heel-toe shifter in Japan, and brought it back to San Diego on the ship. My friend Kirk and I rode double on that cute little motorcycle and went to see the movie. It was the best movie we thought we had ever seen. After the movie was over, we were both on the motorcycle heading down El Cajon Boulevard. I was so excited, I hit the throttle so hard, the a lot of weight on the rear end, and did my first wheelie. The front wheel finally sat down, and I slowed down and drove safely home, still shaking.
0: Thank you, Gene. Um, I I never saw Never on Sunday. I saw on any Sunday, but maybe uh, Never on Sunday came out before that. Well, let's get on to the next uh, submission. And this comes, well, I'll let him introduce himself.
5: there uh, creative podcast listeners. Um, my name is Ozzy Chris, and I'm um, just checking in with you here uh, from Sydney, Australia, um, giving you some impressions of my motorbiking experience. Um, I haven't really been riding myself very long, I've only just got my first bike just at the end of last year. But I thought I'd let you know a bit about my initial impressions of motorbike riding and how I think it's kind of uh, shaped my mindset a bit. The first memory I have of motorbikes is when I was riding uh, my BMX down a local bit of bush near where I grew up. Um, we used to build jumps and berms and tear around them on our, on our bush bikes um, one afternoon um, whilst there with a group of friends, were all probably about five, six years old, um, This roar of trail bikes came flying through our area, there was probably about three or four of them, and I remember the bike at the back had a pillion passenger and he was holding an axe up above his head, um, they all were in their helmets and gear and looked incredibly menacing, um, needless to say the experience absolutely scared the shit out of me, and... For years after that, every time I heard a two-stroke engine, I would think of that experience and feel fear. However, that sort of turned to fascination, I guess, over the years, and um, I was constantly wanting to try riding a motorbike for myself. However, I had an extremely strict Dutch mother who would not entertain the idea one bit, so I pretty much went through... All my teen years without really getting the opportunity to explore motorbike riding and uh, it took me until the ripe old age of 45 what I am now to actually develop the courage to go off and decide myself that the time was right that I needed to learn to ride a motorbike and make it part of my life so it's taken me many years and my dear old mother um, still disapproves but now I'm realises she really doesn't have much choice in control on the matter anymore so I bought myself a BMW GS650 Dakar and I've been loving it two bits basically if I'm not riding it I'm thinking of riding it um if I have to commute to work I am trying to use the bike if I can't because of work restrictions I'll drive but that's when i listen to creative riding podcasts so I still manage to bring in motorbiking into my car journeys it's um yeah, been great listening to this podcast too. By the way, I've picked up lots of bits of information and it's really helped me establish a bit of uh, affinity with the, the culture of motorbiking. Um, and it's an aspect of, of motorbiking that, that I really, really enjoy. So, um, good on your buck and keep up the good work. All right, peace out.
0: Well, 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 Aussie Chris, wherever you are, mate, I hope you're still kicking kangaroo ass, riding in the outback and riding period. Um, I think this was six years ago. So you're, I think you uh, were 45 then. So you're 50 or 51 now. And uh, man, I hope you're passing this on to your little girl that you had um and uh still getting out there and riding uh, and terrifying some five or six year old bmxers yourself and instilling motorcycling to the next generation of australians mate all right good on you crikey well let's uh hear one or two more things from social slam one the very first the impetus for this best of Yeah, how do you get that solo in there? All right, so everything Chris just said affirmed to me that Mad Max is totally 100% possible. Hello there,
6: it's Slade. And Stretch. From the Stock is for Squares podcast. How are y'all? Hey Stretch. What's up? What's brown in rhymes with Snoop? Hmm. Dr. Dre. <laughs>
7: what?
6: <laughs> How does uh I mean why does Snoop Dog need an umbrella?
7: Faux drizzle. <laughs> <laughs> you got one. Yes. Why does Snoop Dogg Dude funny story about that joke in particular? <laughs> one day I was in church and a guy got up and said that exact joke. At church, at church, I want to come In front to of everybody. church. I know <laughs> church is rocking about
6: Snoop. Okay, Dogger. but wait, there's more. What does uh, how does Snoop Dogg clean his car? How with his hose?
7: Oh! <laughs> and how
6: does Snoop Dogg wash his underwear?
7: Bleach. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now that we're done with our <laughs> terrible jokes.
6: Yeah. Uh, yeah, you have a yeah, you have yeah, something you yeah. want to tell the listeners of creative writing, don't yeah.
7: you? Hi, creative writing listeners,
6: we got real microphones. This is our we
7: first do. time using. We them. do. We haven't even used them on
6: our own podcast.
7: We're gonna try sounding better, much better. Yeah, I kind of wanted to talk about does the best looking motorcycle or the coolest motorcycle get you the girl? Because I know you all think that. I think that <laughs> like. Back in the day, I was just like, I'm married now. So, I mean, I'm kind of out of the game. But (laughs) in my mind, I was always like, if I had the coolest car or the coolest bike, like I just had this vision of just the ladies flocking to me, right? Yeah. Have a panty dropper, as they say. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, I (laughs) I had some experiences along the way where I realized my instincts of having the coolest thing did not really bring the women. And it having the worst things actually did.
6: Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. I had been told by several of the ladies that they like the guys that drive the beaters, and I'm sure it applies to motorcycles, too. Mm-hmm. Plus, it kind of weeds out the gold diggers. I mean, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, it's... we. I've had a bunch of junky cars, and that had
7: nothing to do with the ladies, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> more my bank account. <laughs> it's true. It happens yeah. to all of us. But... Yeah you do have that mindset a lot of times Mm -hmm. where you think this is going to attract people and be awesome because I have all this money into this vehicle, Mm -hmm. whether it's a motorcycle or a car, big old truck. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But so bringing up one of my stories, one day I go to this concert. It was probably my first concert. I think it was sugar cult. Oh, Ooh, a good uh, one. Yeah, good it was first all right. One. Yeah. Sugar Colt. And I go there with my buddy, Zach. And after we leave, you know, I'm feeling pretty good. We were having a good time. Punch I some was, kids. I was, <laughs> may have punched some kids. Good. <laughs> Things were awesome. And we get in this car, and it's like a 93 Nissan Sentra. Like the same car my mom had when I was a child.
6: Oh, yeah. I and think it was his just, brother jumped that, and he told yes, that story on Yes, he
7: did. Yeah. The car had some air. Anyway, we get in it, and it's like blowing smoke and stuff. The back end of it's all covered in oil. It's got <laughs> head gaskets blown and all this stuff. Yep. And we're cruising along, and I'm just like, hey, we should try to find some ladies, you know? <laughs> like, Why not? So we're cruising down State Street. Dude, you don't cruise for ladies on State Street. Let me get to a point. <laughs> Let me make my point first. Yes, um, State Street hoes are never good hoes. <laughs> <laughs> but we're cruising down. We pull up next to this blonde chick. I was like, why not? Roll it down. So I roll down the window, and then I give her the little the roll down the window side. You move that, do that little circular motion. That Back in be, the day when there was a uh, hand rolling of the windows. Yeah, that would be Nowadays, you do like do the little click motion with your finger. Yeah. <laughs> that could also be taken wrong. <laughs> yes. But anyway, I hope all you out there in podcast land can see what I'm doing with my hands. Um So Never she rolls down again. the window. Yeah, I won't. She (laughs) rolls down the window and I was like, hey, what's up? She's like, oh, not much. you know, hanging out, (laughs) driving. (laughs) Duh, you know. I was just like, I didn't know what else to say. So I was like, what's your number? And she just gave it to me.
8: It was awesome.
7: Sentra, yeah. I've had a number of other times like that where it didn't matter what I was in. Mm -hmm. But it was just like, and not to the fact that it hid my 610-ness as well. So people (laughs) thought I was normal looking, you know, whatever. But (laughs) yeah, having the the nicest car or the nicest motorcycle doesn't always get the ladies. Yeah.
6: So how did we apply that to motorcycles though? Because I think it's even more difficult to define on a motorcycle because a lot of Ladies that have no interest in motorcycles. Mm-hmm. They-
7: here's here's the thing with girls and motorcycles. If you can roll up on a motorcycle and a girl gets excited and wants to get on the back of it, she's a keeper. Okay. If she says, "I don't think so," she wasn't for you.
6: Well, do you Keep know this moving. person
7: beforehand? It doesn't or you just matter. Pull up it and say, matter. "Get on," because Any, that's anybody. <laughs> just anybody if they're if they're not about motorcycles they're too scared to get on motorcycles when you marry them or continue to date them you think they're gonna continue to want you to be on a motorcycle oh not at all all right but here we've talked about my wife before she
6: likes me Mm -hmm. and uh she is horrified of motorcycles really like yeah i uh so when we were teenagers dating and stuff i used to race dirt bikes Mm -hmm. and uh she would come watch me and you know, I'd show off and I won a couple times and, you know. Oh, I know. So, so she, liked, <laughs> she liked it and um, she was attracted to it. She liked me and my gear, you know, that kind of stuff. I even bought her a dirt bike after we were married. Never left second gear mm-hmm. and like low second gear. It was an <laughs> 85. Nice. Scared her to death. I've since gotten into street bikes. I've got an FZ09. She won't get on it. I wouldn't get on the back of that either. But she still likes me and she lets me do it. This is You've true. been on the back of my FZ09.
5: <laughs>
6: <laughs> Don't say that like we're gay.
7: <laughs> Not that there's any problem with that.
5: <laughs>
7: <laughs> oh, whatever. Um, so what we're saying is, even though this she might true. be afraid of it, yeah. if they like the idea of it, it's okay.
0: All righty, everybody. Well, that was one of the great, great, great Stock is for Squares podcast. That was such a fun show. Fun, guys. We did a couple collabs, and uh, I really miss those guys. I wish they would bring back a show. But uh, with no further ado, let's get into the rest of this show.
6: So this uh, this little clip that we're going to be sending in is going to be super ADD. Is this what it's like inside your mind all the time?
7: (laughs) Yeah, basically. Awesome. (laughs) That is super creepy. Anyway, creative writing. We love you. Keep up the good work. Yep. And thanks for your help
0: giving us suggestions. One more submission. This is from a kid I know and love very much. So, what what do you like about motorcycles and what don't you like about motorcycles?
9: Well, I like about motorcycles that they have two seats. Don't they come with bunk beds?
0: They do come with bunk beds.
9: Oh, wow. And what I don't like about motorcycles is you need to be a certain age and I might just fall off when I get older.
0: Yeah. Well, you know what... about falling off, um, do you think you would wear the, all the protective gear all the time?
10: What about your body?
0: Well, if you wear like proper riding gear, you uh, won't get hurt as bad if you fall off. You might might just say ow and just get back up and that's it.
10: Uh, I don't know.
0: So if you start riding, would you wear your helmet all the time and would you would you wear like a padded jacket and some padded pants? Yes just like when you go roller skating or riding your bicycle?
11: Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know they make that stuff for kids?
11: What?
0: Yeah, they make motorcycle gear for kids. Did you know little kids your age are already riding motorcycles? What? I'm serious. Really? Mm-hmm. Does that make you like them more or not like them more? I would just say that's amazing. That is pretty amazing. Thank you for telling me what you do and what you don't like about motorcycles. The end. The end. That was my awesome kid, and I am going to uh, leave you with one more little blurb from the first Solstice Slam right here, but yeah, we'll throw in some fingerless gloves, and I was like, fingerless gloves? What am I going to do? Have a fucking breakdancing party or something? Fingerless gloves? (laughs) That was my horrible, horrible interaction with Leather Bowl, and uh, never... Never have I talked to them again or ordered any products, and got other people that said, "Yeah, they're pretty. Te- they were pretty terrible." Uh, Background at the same time. So, Social Slam One, man, in the books, that was a fun show. Also, the very first time I ever played Sigur Ricken on the show, mm, six years ago. So, uh, with no, hey, before we get into uh, the great best of show, and we're getting into Social Slam Two, let's take a phone call real quick here on the line. All right, caller, we'll get back with you in a minute And we're going to get on with the rest of Solstice Slam Number two It's It's the slam Creative writings once a year Solstice Slam This is your chance chance to to make your voice heard. heard. Get your story story out there to the... Tens of people that listen to the show worldwide. worldwide. This is your your chance to take over the microphone. Blow ears. Blow minds. Blow choke. Let it be known that I was very, very honest. Very honest. First submission. Let's get right into it. This gentleman sent in three... We're going to start off with this first one. This is from
1: Aaron Shue. Back in 2010, I bought my first motorcycle. It was a 03 Harley V Rod. I only had my motorcycle temps at the time. It was Memorial Weekend. I had just gotten home from my family's cottage 100 miles north of my house. The cottage is in the Wisconsin Northwoods down a very windy blacktop road through the National Forest. It was a beautiful day, so I decided to jump back on the bike and cruise around the local country roads in the town I lived in. While cruising down, one of those country roads turned. I stayed looking around, watching tractors out in the field and hawks flying and swooping down at mice. At some point, what I can only assume was a hawk flew down directly in front of me and went towards the ditch. It scared the crap out of me. Since I never saw it coming, when it did go in front of me, I slammed on my brakes, not knowing what it was. When I did that, I locked up the front tire, which in turn pushed the bike toward the ditch. Being a rookie, with only about a thousand miles of riding under my belt, I panicked and didn't release the brakes very quickly. By the time I did let go of the front brake, I was already on the gravel shoulder of the road. I tried easing the bike back on the blacktop, but the rear tire caught a washout in the gravel, spinning the bike sideways and me high siding at roughly 40 miles an hour. Luckily, it was a wet week and the ditch was soft. I rolled through that sideways, seeing ground, then sky, then ground again at a rate fast enough to make astronauts vomit. Eventually, I stopped and shielded myself, thinking the bike was going to be right behind me. Luckily, the bike slid further down into the ditch and sat at rest on its side 10 feet from me. I ended up with a sprained knee and some skin peeled back on my face from the helmet pushing back. The bike suffered about $7,500 in damage and somehow was not totaled. I found myself very fortunate after that one. 50 feet further and I would have rolled into a big culvert.
0: All right, strong opener. Thank you for the read, celebrity guest Kathleen Turner. Very good. Thank you, Aaron, for this submission. You know, I did that myself, uh A couple years ago, last year maybe And I'm sure I talked about it on the show It took all of like 10 seconds I probably talked about it for 45 minutes But um, yeah, I took my eyes off the road to look up the hill Going up a switchback And uh, when I looked back, I was already in the turn And I was jumping 16 feet down a ravine Uh, Luckily I did a wheelie And uh, okay, this tail is getting very big Let's let's get on to the next submission. This one is uh, going to be by the a man who's in the Munich airport while he's doing this. He specifically asked me to put some music behind it, so I have a song that I made years ago. Uh, gosh, years ago, and never never released it out to anywhere. Just found it on an old file the other day, so I'm gonna roll that behind this one. This is for our man Paul. Balls next. <laughs>
7: So I have a few minutes here. So I thought I'd
3: give some feedback to the last show. Well, not really feedback, but just some, uh, some responses I have to some of the things he brought up. The first thing is has to do with the artist. and couldn't think of a female artist. Uh, so Guilty is charged on that. Um, but uh, my favorite artist is uh, Ralph Steadman. I really like him. He's the one that illustrated a lot of the stuff for Hunter S. Thompson's books. And um, uh, his stuff I read, I'd been writing for a few years as a kid, but I, I read Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas and then Hell's Angels. Um, and those were, were pretty influential to me. And, and uh, Stedman had a bunch of his illustrations in the book and on the cover. and you know, They're just kind of they're like random abstract cartoon drawings that kind of very interesting style and he's still uh, providing some illustrations for um, for different magazines but um, I thought it was he was very uh, uh, he went well with uh, with Thompson, Thompson's uh, writing I thought and because of Hell's Angels, or not Hell's Angels, because of uh, Fear, and Lo- Fear and Loathing, Las Vegas, that got me into the Vincent Black Shadow. That's that's like my my favorite old school bike now, maybe besides an Indian, only because I was born in Springfield, but uh, besides that and the, the Vincent Black Shadow, because you he, just go on and on about that bike. In that book, that was the bike he was going to ride in the the mint 400 or whatever the race was that that was the focal point around that book but I thought that was it was really funny and the next thing that we talked about uh, that you talked about in the show the next thing I, I remember was uh, women motorcyclists and the, the one I know is my wife uh, although not a street rider she got into dirt bikes that we could take trips as a family Uh, the kids have bikes and she has a KLX 140 now and she loves it, she's a student of everything that she does though, so it's always about her perfecting the craft whenever we go out for a ride you can always see her like concentrating on uh, shifting and smooth shifting and and applying the brakes and smooth throttle and it's really neat to watch her riding and, and way she picks up on all the little nuances of it trying to convince her to maybe get into dual sport and maybe get a a small on off-road bike i'm not sure if she's totally into it she used to ride mopeds on the street back in the day but it's been a while and you know it's a different environment now but it wouldn't be for really commuting around or anything it would really just be for the the dual sport types of rides that we do but not for any kind of heavy street use. And the next thing was, uh, he mentioned famous racers we at the Long Beach Bike Show a couple of years ago. Jason Britton was there, the stunt rider. And uh, uh, he was signing autographs, and he and, uh, he and his buddy were doing a show out uh, outside. It, it was kind of neat. We got his autograph afterwards, and my wife got... Uh, picture taken with him and she was all psyched because he does stunts on a Kawasaki and, and she's got a Kawasaki so she thought that was just the greatest thing in the world that, uh, that convincing him that, uh, that she was riding around and uh, supporting Team Green. And The other, uh, the other um, racer that I met again was just at an autograph signing thing but way back in the day maybe a few years after I moved to San Diego I met uh, Jeremy McGrath. This is back in the 1-800 Collect days, and he had just switched over to riding for Chaparral. So he was up in San Bernardino, signing autographs. It was maybe just his first year or two riding Yamaha after riding Honda for all those years. But that was kind of neat to meet him. Okay, and somewhere in the show you talked about Built Well again. That, that place is, is neat, but it is—I mean, those guys are hardcore. Um, when I was there, and the, the guys who go there and hang there, the, the choppers are, are impressive units. Are um, garage, home-grown, garage-welded. I mean, they, these guys obviously put them together themselves. They, they're just. A mashup of parts and just real old-school chopper tech and it was really really cool to see but it wasn't just harley's there were, there were some some sportsters and that made up the choppers but there were some metric cruisers too and it was just seemed like anything they could get their hands on a lot of hand shifters that that was kind of neat to see too the suicide clutch and the hand shifters and just real old school stuff but when we were at that show man watching those guys throw those you know big baggers around and wheelies and, and just smoking up the rear wheels it was pretty impressive to to see those guys doing it and, and the wheelies they were pulling like, like 12 o'clock high and they were impressive impressive uh, riders up there but the choppers were something else to see too just rebar is it welded into a sissy bar and and uh uh, wrenches bent and, and welded to the shifty, shifter mechanism and and sprockets cut in half to make the the floorboards just really old school stuff. And the last note I have has to do with the, the book that you were reading, The Black Coats. I'm going to pick that up and give it a read, but you were talking about how you didn't want to give away the the ending or you know, give too much of a synopsis it reminded me of the first time I watched the movie Dusk to Dawn and this must have been back in the 90s sometime and I had no idea what that movie was about I was over at a, a friend's and he just threw the, the DVD in and started watching it and it looked like a typical gangster type movie and, and then they crashed at this bar and, and again I had no idea what type of movie this was and all of a sudden the, everybody just started turning into vampires and it just, I had absolutely no idea that was going to happen it, it was just so funny just to have something come out of left field like that so it, it just reminded me of that but I'm going to pick up that book and, and give it a read, The Black Oats uh, but um, along that same line the, the Hell's Angels book by Hunter Thompson i circle back around to that that was a, a real good read too it kind of you know, sympathetic to, to their plight and, and kind of sided with them quite a bit more so than a lot of the other books and stories that are written about them but definitely worth the read so that's all I got for this contribution to Solstice Slam 2 uh, on my way home I uh, get on the plane in, a, in about 2 or 3 hours and I'll be home about uh, 10 or 11 hours after that Got my bike parked in the garage at LAX, and it's going to be about 70 degrees or so. I think when I get home, it's going to be a perfect day for a ride home. So I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be good good to be home and good to get back in the saddle. Talk to you soon.
0: All right. That was Bry Viffer, a.k.a. Oh, coming to us from the Munich airport and you know you don't want a bunch of German TSA agents looking around at you all crazy while you're trying to do something cool like tell your crazy stories for the Solstice Slam now do you? If you guys remember his last uh, last year's Solstice Slam he rattled off the uh, five VFRs that he owns I believe and the VMAX and a couple dirt bikes so Quite a rider and uh, quite a stable of bikes. Thanks, Bry, um, legendary field producer now, and uh, all that great stuff. So, thank you for sub- supporting the show, my friend. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. I hope you got back to LAX and, uh, you know, I hope your bike was still there. I'm sure you've written to me since. So, Uh, I'm assuming that it was All right, well let's jump to uh, Back to the WIR's Top 10 list This is from another writer there And uh, not Aaron Shue But we'll get back to Aaron in a second Gotta wait your turn buddy Gotta go back to the end of the line now That you've got three to submit And uh, this is another clown from that list And let's hear it from this boy
9: Hello creative riding, uh, field reporter and WIR's current number three spot holder, Nitrous Chris, uh, checking in here for the Solstice Slam. Thought I'd uh, talk on a topic of um, motorcycle burnouts for a little bit. And uh, I don't actually mean burnouts as in smoking tires, but more so just being burnt out on motorcycles or burnt out on racing. Uh, I've been racing motorcycles for almost 22 years or so and met some awesome people. Every year, you you make new friends. Every race, you make new friends. All across the country, every track, it doesn't matter. Everybody's got that same interest, that same passion, and uh, it's just a great community to be part of. But the, the one downside that I notice more and more is the amount of people that come and go. And you go from seeing that passion and drive with them to that.
0: I think he bit into a taco right here.
9: Uh, just lack of enthusiasm because they just, they don't want to do it anymore. Or they just, they get busy with work or kids or they get married or just something happens in their life where they feel that if they can't, be all in to drag racing that they need to sell their bikes or their projects or things they were working on things that they were once very passionate about and uh i i've never been in that situation to where i've had to sell a motorcycle i've been burnt out and beat up and just tired of racing and traveling and riding or or just constant maintenance and working on them where i just i don't want to do it anymore and i I take a step back but i don't know why people feel the need to just get out completely like racing or motorcycling in general is an on off switch that they are they're completely in and gung-ho or the minute that they they slow down and they can't do it as much as they used to. They feel that by selling the bike or selling everything that they use for racing will gain them, you know, all that that time and money lost back, or it'll it'll help uh, advance or advance or move their life forward in some fashion. Uh, it's it's such a small part financially of a lot of people's lives but it's the first thing that seems to go when uh, when things change and i just i like to try to talk people out of doing that of just just giving up and saying that it's it's off time now i don't want to race i don't want to ride anymore so i need to just you know clean house and get rid of everything and realistically it's one of the smallest things you'll ever own in your life a motorcycle you can stick it under a cover and put it in the corner and it's uh, out of sight out of mind when they're sitting they don't require a whole lot of money or maintenance so why take that part of your life that can bring so much happiness and just dispose of it uh, if you if you if you don't have the time to race or ride like you want to just take the bike and put it in a corner uh, if you ever get a free weekend, whether it's, you know, once a month or once a year, you have it. It's It'll always be there. Uh, you can do what you want with it. Um, I know some people sell the stuff because they, they feel like they want to, you know, pay bills off or, or whatever. But I've never owned a motorcycle that if I was to sell it, that the cash I would get for it would be enough to change my life miraculously financially in one direction or another. So I've always kind of steered away from the thought of, you know, well, maybe I should look at selling this or selling that. I've sold bikes in the past, yes, but nothing that was like a project or something I had a bunch of time and money or, or, or was passionate about. Uh, the, the, the project stuff is something you want to keep. And if I could like talk anybody into not getting rid of projects, uh, it's, it's worth every ounce of effort spent to talk them out of that. So I think if, if this gets through to anybody, if I'm making any sense here in my rambling is basically just, uh. If you're feeling burnt out on motorcycling and you don't want to do it, just park it and do something else for a while. Don't sell it. Uh, it's it's literally, like everybody says, it's, it's two-wheel therapy. It's a project. It's a hobby. Uh, you don't have to do it every day, every weekend, every week or month or whatever. Just uh, keep it and do it when you got some free time. Uh, I'm actually, I just got done with work and I'm out at my shop right now. I'm going to another probably four or five hours out here working away getting ready for race season and uh, I am already know that tomorrow is going to be an off day where I'm I've put a lot of hours in this winter working on my bike and uh, I schedule it out so that I don't get burnt out working on it so I'll get some progress done tonight and then I won't come out for another you know two three days maybe where I can go on with other parts of my life that I enjoy, but uh, don't go whole hog where it has to be 100% in or 100% out. It can uh, it can all be done in moderation. So if I just saved a couple motorcycle lives with my little rant here, uh, it was worth it. So uh, thanks to uh, Creative Riding for uh, giving us all a place to talk and enjoy motorcycles together, and we'll uh, talk to you later
0: it's time to get on to our next submission enough blabbing aside let's get to another one of the guys from the wri top 10 list come on goldfinger your turn you're up to bat son
12: hey guys this is jason gallmeyer from wir's top 10 bikes Uh, I guess I'm going to do a contribution to the Solstice Slam. I have no idea what I'm doing, and I don't have Larry here to give me guidance. So this should be interesting. Um, Right now, I'm on the road down to Millennium Technologies down in Plymouth, Wisconsin, to pick up my cylinder head. Um, Last fall, when I was spraying nitrous, I melted a piston in in the cylinder wall, and... uh, further investigation it also melted part of my head between the exhaust valves so I had to bring it down to Millennium and they have a head repair service there and they just gave me a call today saying it's ready to pick up so I'm pretty excited to see it and it was the last part of my motor that I needed everything else is all together bottom end all that so so yeah I'm pretty excited I guess a topic I could talk about is maybe some of the things that have been happening on the list this winter. Uh, a lot of people are upgrading their stuff. There's you know people were before the top 10 list was around, people were confined to doing things a certain way because people told them that's the way they have to do it. If you want to race with them, hey, you got to run a true hand clutch this and that, blah, blah, blah. If you didn't run bikes the way they ran bikes, well, you know, you never hear the fucking end of it. Total shit talk you, and this and that, and you can't ride because you have to have a slider clutch, and this and that. But you know what? With the top ten list, it's no rules. We don't give a fuck. Bring what you brung. Bring what you brung. That makes sense. It's not like a Larry outtake. Um Race what you brung. You know, we don't care what it is. And if it's fast and it's what you want to do, cool, bring it. And ever since this top ten thing took off, and we started doing what we're doing, now other people are following suit. You know, guys that wanted to run a slider clutch or a lockup clutch, you know, they're doing it. They're buying. They're buying it. They're putting them in their bikes, and screw it. Other people think if it's what you want to do do it um so yeah as far as upgrades i'm sure some of the people on the list might get upset with me because i'm gonna let a couple secrets out but you know what i don't think anybody from chicago listens to the show too much and we all pretty much know what what's going on there aren't too many secrets Um, so let's start with number one we got guy bellinger As far as I know all he is doing is putting a bigger turbo on and he's hoping to get his horsepower up around 500 I think it should be pretty insane Um, I guess we'll see if the motor I built for him has what it takes to stand up to all that boost Um, number two we got Michelle as far as I know she isn't doing anything she's just gonna be her badass self like usual Um, number three we got Chris confused what he's doing and I'm just going to let I'm not going to say too much I'm just going to let the confusion continue (laughs) Uh, at number 4 was Ryan Skiba he had to drop off because he's he bought a new bike he's no longer racing his ZX14 he's got a Gen 2 Hayabusa now with nitrous that he bought from someplace down south I'm thinking Illinois or Indiana somewhere down there And rumors are it's a pretty badass bike so we'll see how he does this year but since he bought the new bike he has to start all over from the beginning down in the bottom of the list Uh, let's see so that bumped me up to the number four spot so this year I got a new set of cylinders new set of pistons um, got my head fixed then i also went and put a gen 2 hayabusa crank in my gen 1 motor which is it gives you about two millimeters more stroke it'll bump my motor up to a 1441 and i'm hoping it'll make over 230 horse just on motor that's before the nitrous um i also lightened the bike up a ton i took the charging system off of it because we're drag racing who needs a charging system uh I'm taking the radiator off of it, which will help lighten it up too. Um, I'm still going to run coolant in the motor, but no radiator. And I cut off every little bracket and knick-knack and doodad off the frame and chassis that I don't need anymore to help lighten it up. I'm hoping the bike will weigh about 50 pounds less than it did last year also put a lower ratio of first gear in it will which will help me get off the line harder so I'm hoping to have the fastest 60 foot on the list. Will I have the fastest bike? Only time will tell but I can guarantee you I will be coming off the line harder and faster than anybody else. Uh, let's see number five. Number five Jake Roberts. Uh, J- Jake's been really quiet this winter we don't know what he's doing Uh, as far as we know he's still racing his zx 14 but he did buy a zx 12 and nobody's quite sure what he's doing i'm not even sure if he's sure what he's doing so we'll see how that plays out let's see number six we got dustin durant As far as I know Dustin isn't doing anything maybe some little things here and there nothing too major um yeah I really don't have any info on Dustin I mean he's kind of pulling the same thing Chris is he's he's posting pictures of crazy parts but for some reason I don't think they're GS6R parts I mean I could be wrong but we'll find out <laughs> uh okay I gotta get my list out my pocket. Dustin. Dylan. Dylan is still racing his stock wheelbase ZX10. He's in the seventh spot. Uh, he's also going to be try racing on the stock wheelbase list. So I think he'll actually do pretty good at the stock wheelbase list. Right now he's taking a knife to a gunfight. But on the stock wheelbase list his bike's going to be pretty quick. Uh, number eight is Justin haven't heard much out of him either so I wish I could give you more news but I can't Uh, number nine is Preston I know he's building a new motor because he had a meltdown on the dyno last year I couldn't tell you what it is because he's one of those guys that's pretty secretive too and number 10 we got Busa John as far as I know Busa John's got a stock motor Hayabusa with an arm and an air shifter um, I've never seen him race. This is his first year on the list, and it'll be pretty exciting to see what he does. Um, and then we have three guys waiting. Or three guys waiting to get on the list. We got Chris Minich. Uh, he's got a G6R 1000 that's stretched out. Kind of looks like Chris Sing Uh The second guy waiting to get on the list is Ryan because he had to drop off. And number 13, or third, third guy waiting to get on the list is Chris Books. He actually won Cots Jr. last year. So he's pretty fast. He's pretty badass. So we'll see how, how he does on our list. Um, and then so this year we're starting our stock wheelbase list. Um Aaron, Aaron shoes kind of filling the position that I fill where he's the one that takes care of the list and the call-outs and this and that. Um, sounds like we got about seven or eight bikes on the list so far. And as soon as the word gets out, I'm sure it'll become even more popular than that. And I mean they might even have more bikes wanting to get on their list than we do ours. So that'll be pretty exciting and they should be fun to watch. You know. Total wheelie machines pushing it trying to be the fastest on the list um, other exciting news uh me and a friend mike serrar resurrected the Cots extreme class it's a class at kings of the street where it's basically an open class the only rule is no wheelie bar You can run a slick you can run a slider you can run a lockup you can run whatever you want just as as it doesn't have a wheelie bar so we resurrected it Um, we were told that oh we wouldn't have enough interest in it there's no way we could have we could get eight bikes for a full field this and that well we started putting the feelers out and we've got ten bikes locked in we need we have eight for sure we get another another eight we'll have a 16 bike class and it sounds like we're going to have a 16 bike field um that's going to be pretty exciting i know i'm racing in it a couple of the other top 10 list bikes are racing in it and we'll be racing against the, the professional pro street bikes like frankie stott's and uh some other guys in the area you know and they run crazy fast bikes. that'll be a lot of fun hopefully we can do pretty well uh, representing Wisconsin Um, so yeah I can't think of anything else to talk to I'm sorry (laughs) so yeah I hope to I don't know what I hope I'm driving trying to think of bullshit to say (laughs) So take it easy. Uh, Follow us on our Facebook page, WIR's Top 10
0: Bikes. All right, I'm going to cut them off there. This was a great year. So many submissions came in. Uh, This is only, what, year two of Solstice Slam? Or, yeah, I think so. A lot of submissions to go through. Uh, Going to skip to the next one real quick. Um, Skip to the next two really quick. But, yeah, WIR Top 10 Bikes. I like how Jason was very... uh, eager there to share uh, other people's secrets. I like that. And I, I think they're still active uh, on Facebook and still uh, uh, racing up there at uh, Wisconsin International dragaway uh, as it's pronounced. But yeah, let's uh, stop right here and get into the next submission. This one comes to us from a listener named Eric. And uh, this listener submitted a an on my request actually this guy was uh talking to me you know messaging the show uh on via our facebook page which you can always get a hold of us there and engage us that way and i and he was posting up all this crazy stuff and i said man you should really like write this down or put it into a doc or something like this is some crazy good ideas so uh, on the premise of what if you were given like a bagillion dollars which i forget how many zeros is in a bagajillion, but you know if you had that and a little bit of like Japanese wizardry what type of motorcycle would you make so he was courteous enough to sit down and write me a very lengthy uh, page here called my motorcycle company and I'm about to read you well let me see come in here guest. we got a special guest here to read that hello hello and thank you very much for having me here It's me, friend. Oh, Chris McScratchington, walking in my bag of extension cords. In order to read the solstice slam, you gotta think like a solstice slam, and I'm here to do that for you today, tonight, as a matter of fact. Sorry, my voice may be a little crackly. And Ragged as an old oak tree, but I'm getting a little old, my friend. I'm a little old in the tooth, but I'm here to tell you, I'm ready to read your story. It starts off like this. This guy seems like a very nice guy. Uh, he's always writing in some nice okay, stuff. Good. I'm glad to read a story from Then be good. If I was given a billion dollars for the express purpose of starting my own motorcycle manufacturing company. Well, cruisers aren't my thing. They wouldn't sell well in this cruiser bloated USA market. And ADV bikes, they're definitely a consideration. Racing and track bikes are somewhat of a losing proposition in the smaller displacements. So I reckon a, a sport touring bike carries my interest more than most genres in the market. I personally have an appeal towards sport bikes that don't follow the track, but don't fall too heavily on the touring side either. Examples, uh, the VFR 800, the Ninja 1000, the Ducati Supersport, the GSX-S1000F. Some offer more touring ability, some less. Hey, I like the cut of this guy's jib, by the way. It's a good, some good bikes, you know? Yeah, so far, so good. Hey, buddy, your voice, you're, you sound like you're fading, man. Yes, walking out. I'll be walking around town. We'll see you later, my friend. I'm like, I got a dance competition. I got a B2. All right. Loves. Peace. Okay, peace out, man. I love you too. And see you later, Chris. Well, hey, we got him to read for a little bit, didn't we? I'll go ahead and pick it up where he left off. In my mind, I spy a modular platform built in several size scales. The auto industry has been doing this successfully for a period of time. Example: VW's MQB platform used in the new Golf and scaled up for the coming Atlas crossover. Anyway, it's a cost-effective way of building motorcycles. Same tried-and-true chassis design with much less extensive variations between engine sizes, configuration, suspension, and fairing differences. There's no need to reinvent the wheel with every model. As far as I know, no one is making a high performance version of the common parallel twin engine, specifically a 270 degree crankshaft configured parallel twin. Ducati has run L twin engines forever as well as other brands like Honda, Suzuki, Aprilia, etc. using this configuration. Other brands utilizing a V-twin design with much the same features. It's twice the engine heads, twice the valve trains, a more complicated block, more complicated exhaust plumbing, coolant system, throttle linkage, and packaging. The parallel twin, by comparison, is just a far more simple and symmetrical design. Easy to package. I just don't know of a company that's emphasized this design as a basis of a factory-tuned high-performance in a 270-degree configuration. I also have a personal appeal for inline triples. Don't we all, brother? Since 600cc sport bikes are starting to phase out, I thought I'd do something the market has neglected since the early 2000s, namely a 500cc category bike for starters. Model names would not be the common alphabet soup that motorcycle and auto manufacturers are currently so fond of. I'd pick animal names from large cats, bird names, fish names, etc. to evoke emotion and solidify identity. Only numbers that will be used in naming conventions would be engine sizes followed by one of two letters to identify the frame size more on this shortly there'd be a 550 cc twin an 850 cc twin and an 1150 cc twin all 270 degree crank parallel twins with oversquare bore to stroke ratios for high revs high compression ratios modern spring actuated valve trains Forge connecting rods and pistons and a crank for longevity and durability. Optimized throttle bodies and exhaust systems for efficient flow dynamics. Variable valve timing on intake cams to broaden the torque curves. Seating ergonomics would be the likes of a modern super naked with slightly forward cant, in command riding position with pegs below and slightly rearward. The seats would actually be comfortable and slightly supportive from the factory for once. And the fairings would be frame mounted and offer quarter fairing coverage with smooth curves and smooth turbulence-free wind flow. Face designs evoking elegance blended with a sophisticated fierce look. Engine exhaust and belly would be naked style for easy access and maintenance. The headlights would be projector housing LED quad beam. All turn signals would be integrated in front and rear plastics and they'd be LED type. The mirrors would actually be functional bearing-mounted, and telescopically adjustable for reach. Are you touring? Extend them. Sport riding and lane splitting? Slide them in. Instrumentation would be full TFT color display. All the modern electronic controls, say a modern Yamaha R1M, would be installed on all models except for the 550cc, which for cost reasons would be much more basic, such as Bosch ABS, simple and effective traction, Traction control, easy for me to say. On all bikes, such features such as cruise control are a must. All electronic settings will be easily adjustable on the fly, no stopping on the road, and complicated button sequences necessary. ABS would be defeatable on the rear wheel, illuminated switch gear at the bars, optional hand guards available, effective and attractive heated grips, of course. And since the market doesn't offer Separate frame sizes on the same motorcycle model to accommodate smaller and larger riders, each machine would include two optional frame sizes, minimal weight differences between them. I haven't figured out how to sell such an arrangement yet in the current dealership allotment sales paradigm. Big guys could ride small engines, small guys could ride big engines. No more constraints on frame sizes with the small displacement bikes. For a bigger person, a small engine bike would not appear to look like a gorilla riding a tricycle. In spite the of the general hatred of parallel twin engines on the market these engines would not disappoint in vibration-free exciting power with deep tuned sound as ktm and ducati have proven twin cylinder engines can make a ton of power and remain very flexible why not save a lot of coin and build up a twin cylinder engine configuration that's less expensive to manufacture and maintain in my new motorcycle lineup, all published horsepower and torque numbers would be at the rear wheel. I don't believe crank numbers mean a hill of beans to the general public, nor dry weights for that matter. Build emphasis would be for rigid steel trellis frames, less which less weight and comfortable, but sporty ergonomics. Scratch at the track one day and torque comfortably the next. Handlebars instead of clip-ons provide more places to mount Farkles and make for easy aftermarket changing. And speaking of Farkles, having 12-volt power ports in the dash for plugging in accessories would be a priority, along with a good-sized electric stator to power extra items. That's pretty good insight there. Power for heated grips, GPS, cell phone, etc. would be easily within the capability of the stator extra forward lighting would be integrated into the fairings either on the side of the bike or near the radiator. Want a daylight experience after dark? Flick a switch for LED beams to complement the head Headlights. Before I die here, I better get this out. Turning a curve in the dark? Well, the lean angle sensors have you covered and LED flood illumination taking care of the dark curves ahead. All factory integrated lights without the need to bolt on ugly parts. Press and hold a button and the TFT display temporar- temporarily switches to a high resolution rear view from a tail integrated camera. That would be cool. Suspension systems would be the top shelf quality As I'm rather fed up with the mediocre stuff Supplied on many sport models In the market currently The Olin's forks and larger diameter tubes Fully adjustable would be a must Olin's rear shock with three way adjustable Remote hydraulic spring loaded With easy access knob For the days when you load up the bike for touring twin opposed piston rear brake with the actual power and feel at the pedal, an M50 Brembo radial mount, four piston calipers at the front, radial pump master cylinder at the lever, a double-sided rear swing arm design for less weight than the single-sided ones, and stainless steel braided brake lines of course. Uh, A quick aside here, I think we've seen from some of the BMW uh, photos how well or not well. Single sided string arms work if you're gonna really go touring. Transmissions would include a factory quick shifter with up down function, six speed wide ratio optimized for low speed crawling in first gear, and a good lower RPM cruising in sixth gear. I think Suzuki smoothness and precision. 550cc would produce a solid 70-wheel horsepower. The 850 would be about 120, and the 1150 would produce at least 160 horsepower. For once, fuel capacity would allow decent range and follow engine size. 550 would have a 4-gallon, the 850 would have a 5-gallon, and the 1150 would have a 6-gallon tank. Worried about weight? Don't fill the tank up to the top, silly. And for the flagship model, which has not yet been mentioned, but including all the whiz-bang features above and common styling, would enter a ridiculously powerful 1450cc high-revving triple. This engine would crank out at least 220-wheel horsepower. Riding modes for better usefulness would also be included, a 6.5-gallon tank mounted to this model. Although I could go on and on and on with my ideal lineup of motorcycles with details and specs and design cues, suffice to say nothing on the market right now feels this niche of sporty touring premium bikes. No, they wouldn't be low dollar for their displacement, but neither would the ride experience. A customer shouldn't have to give up premium when choosing a small displacement engine. I'd employ the best brains from Germany, Japan, and Italy to build fully reliable, character rich quality, great looking range of motorcycles in this new company. Streamline the manufacturing process and provide long term solutions for global motorcycle markets. Hey, I'd even include a 300cc model to bring in budget-minded people into the brand. Utilizing the modular platform, a line of 80 V-bikes with larger front wheels and a different state of engine tune would come out later. The manufacturing facility would include on-ground test track for motorcycle development. A person can dream, can't they? Head on down to your local motorcycle dealer and buy one today. All right, all right. Well, hey, listen, Eric used to send in a lot of stuff, submit a lot of stuff. I know he loved in triples a lot. That motorcycle idea that he had isn't too far off of what the, the uh, the the uh, single or the parallel twin isn't too far off of the uh, Africa twin that came out shortly after this uh, this year's Solstice Slam uh, happened, and or maybe like a couple years later. And they've modul- modularly thrown it into the Rebel 1100. So his uh, platform dreams and caviar seams came true. Also, Triumph has done every- everything modular um, as well as BMW, you know, for the last, you know, decade. Uh, so, yeah, there's and, – and Triumph makes a lot of triples right now. Uh, like, everything they make is tripled. It's off-road. So, yeah, KTM – and uh, who else did he mention? KTM uh, is one of the only ones doing twins right now. But yeah, and, and uh, you know, Suzuki's got the twins, but they are V-Twins. But anyway, long story short, before I start rambling on this, he had some really solid ideas that have actually come to fruition over the last couple of years, um, and riding modes, all that crazy stuff. So I really used to like uh, his submissions to the show and uh, our missives online. Let's uh, get into another uh, one of the la- Some of the last few things From Social Slam 2 Alright Let's get into another submission For the slam And this comes straight from the man himself The man down under The man from the future If you're in America Dan Michaels Let's hear a good crash story Dan
8: so talking crash stories i have one that sticks in my head because it was one of those stupid ass moments which should never have happened but every year on australia day which is the 26th of january here in australia me and about 10 other mates take off and head for the snowy mountains which is a a, you know it's a legendary piece of road with amazing twisties and mountains and blacktops and you name it but for some reason that particular time in that particular year when we went up there, it decided to piss down with rain and it was wet and it was cold. I was wearing a mesh jacket, so I was hypothermic. I think I just completely lost all functionality and capability to ride. And as we came up to the, an intersection after about four hours of riding in this shit weather, I turned to the right to look at the oncoming traffic and just washed out the front and went sliding down the road on this brand new hyper motard evo sp i just scratched the living shit out of it and couldn't believe myself it was nuts <laughs> <laughs> just got
0: up uh, kind of going was this a dream was this a bad bad dream
8: <laughs> so, <laughs> exactly oh man the, the funniest thing was i had one of those contour roam cameras on my head and um oh, yeah? i went down and as i went down i went on that side first so the camera came off of the uh, helmet and then just sort of flopped around wildly and made the, for the best piece of footage I think I've ever, ever made.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, great. All right. Well, that's that's a crash story straight from the mouth of Dan Michael. That's a good one. That's one of the better ones. So we should have put that on our crash stories episode. Maybe we will uh, do another one and I'll add that in. Uh, s- uh, sadly, Dan has been incapacitated for the last couple of years due to a motorbike accident on a 50 cc dirt bike snapped his ankle just the right way and has had surgeries on and off for like the last couple years hasn't been able to ride so uh you know joey dunlop michael uh not michael joey dunlop robert dunlop they both died on small displacement bikes they'll get you every time i think uh uh there's a few people that have bit the dust on 50cc bikes They'll come come back and get you when you're not uh, expecting it So let's round out Solstice Slam 2 With uh, another crash story And then uh, we'll, we'll jump into an intermission And head on to Solstice Slam 3 See how his final tale Shape up for Solstice Slam
11: Oh yeah, this is Cookie LaRoch, man Coming to you with story number 3 from Aaron Shoot. It was the summer of 2016. I went on a day trip with a bunch of friends. Mr. Nitrous Chris was one of them on this trip. We had six of us total, all with our own bikes, and we were probably 200 miles in on this 400-plus-mile trip. Our leader, Chad, had his GPS mounted on his Ducati Hypermotard, and he was finding us the best and most fun curvy roads. We were out in the country somewhere in central Wisconsin. We found a really nice curvy hilly road surrounded by fields and random woods. We started seeing tractors on the roads, then ATVs, and everyone we passed looked at us like we were aliens. We got to a really fun, really curvy and hilly area, and we were moving at a good pace, but nothing extreme. We came up on a hill with a slight left at the top. There were four of us riding relatively close together. Two guys were on Ducati Hypermotards, I was on my Ducati Street Fighter, and Mr. Sign was on his KTM Duke. We crested the hill, and directly on the opposite side of this hill, the blacktop ended, and it became a gravel road. So here we are, all four of us riding down this hill, tire to tire, trying not to hit each other or wipe out on the loose gravel road. And luckily, our leader Chad had his intercom on and could radio back to his wife, Cammie, and warn her and our friend Nikki, who were riding slower a bit behind us, of the sudden change in grip. Now Cammy has a Ducati 848, and Nikki on her brand new Yamaha FC09. And this road continued as a gravel road for a couple of miles, before it changed back into blacktop. When we hit the blacktop again, we stopped instantly, instantly to check and see if anyone needed to change their shorts after that close call. Somehow, everyone made it through without wiping out or even giving anyone else a love tap. We still talk about that trip
0: often. Cookie in the watch Out. All right, Cookie, thank you for taking us home. That was it, folks. That was the Solstice Slam number two. Hope you've enjoyed all the stories, all the contributions. You made it happen. If you didn't like it, it's your own fault for not sending something classy and cool in. It's nice to see that I I keep putting the blame on everyone else. That's, uh, that's my favorite part of Salsa Slam every year since it's not my show. It's a listener submission show. I love uh, putting the blame on everyone else for not submitting stuff. Well, hey, let's take a quick intermission right now and talk about uh, some of the crash stories that we got this year <clears throat> for Salsa Slam. We have, uh, of course, Becky who got, you know, a car pull out in front of her. She smashed her face on the hood and then she rolled backwards off the hood In just a heap of human flesh and uh, emotion and practically died that day. I don't know. I just, I like saying that. Didn't give up on riding. Can ammed it around for a little bit. I love that. Then we got Rob who uh, cut a coyote in half with his, uh, <laughs> I think he was on his uh, Triumph. Yeah. I think he was on the Tiger. Yeah you know, just like to, uh, use it as a, a, a saw. <laughs> so got a coyote, cut a coyote clean in half with his bike and, uh, luckily got up to walk and, and, and ride another day. Then we had a bunch of, uh, a bunch of Reddit submissions and I had Reddit open to, to read these, uh, a minute ago. Let me pop it back open. Here we go. So we had, uh, um, killer who, uh, had two thoughts when they low-sided their very first bike. First, hey, this is uh, kind of fun. Well, actually, their first thought is I'm ruined and uh, I'm about to experience profound shame. And then immediately, hey, this sliding thing is fun. Then we had uh, Echius, which is uh, one time riding her bike, had to lay her down. There was some wet leaves on the driveway (laughs) after recovering the... Crashed when there was some gravel and the handlebars wouldn't turn, and they high low sided over a truck. <laughs> and then, another time, this dirty cager was driving in their lane and wouldn't get out of the way, so they rammed him from behind, threw, th- flew through the back window, beat the devil out of him, and that'll taught him to get out of the way. And then another time, a cager passed him and hurt their ego, so they rode real fast, smashed his mirror, shot his dog, and hopefully. They learned, you know, that one's probably a true story. Uh, then the other one shot dog 42 rear tire blew out. Then my world turned slow-mo as the rear end came around to the left and to the right. And then I was sliding along the road thinking, Oh, Hey, my bike's on fire. And then my girlfriend slid past and we all came to a stop. That's one of my favorite ones. (laughs) Um, Luna and Kiwi cats. Oh, I finally got that one. Right. Uh, Leaned over a little too bit on a right turn. A farmer maybe spilled grain across the road. uh, Couldn't avoid it. Hit it. And it slid out from under me in front of a few cars. Broken brake lever foot peg. And that's about it. Um, Yeah. Boom. That was it. So a few good stories coming to us from Reddit. A few uh, in the mails. And uh, yeah. One of them is going to probably win it. We're going to throw him in the hat with um, our Patreon Uh, supporters, and announce the winner at the end of this show. So stick around, stay tuned, you little clown. Now let's take a quick uh, hop into Salsa Slam number three, which happened back in 2000, I want to say 17 or 18. All right, everybody. It's the show that I'm sure you're all waiting for, the time of the year that we do, solstice slam but first with no further ado enough from me let's talk about you this could be my submission for the slam this rhyme is about as tasty as rotten ham (laughs) alright let's get into the show
11: Been even more so, so slam
1: three. three.
0: Oh, yes, the slam number three going down in the books. All right. Our first submission comes to us from Dangerous Dave Shoup. You may know Dave as a fierce, fierce competitor uh, in the Motorcycle Podcasters Challenge, and uh, one of the reasons why probably one of the other podcasts won last year instead of us. Um, if you followed along, last year we came very close to taking second spot. I think it was a 13. 12 points um, One more city would have done it And uh, I was on vacation for a week too So that was all in a couple weeks of writing And uh, Dangerous Dave, man He's always up to something new And this year He's got something for us Let me read Let me wet my lips All right, let's get into this Well, I bet you thought I forgot to send something in again Wrong So you've seen the posts, but here's the story of a hammer gone bobber. I bought the hammer several years ago. I always thought it seemed to be a modern interpretation of the cafe racer. I enjoyed riding it, and I loved the bike, but I wanted something extra special. He spelled butt, B-U-T-T, by the way. (laughs) Yes, butt. I wanted something extra special. So for about two years now, I've had these plans. Bob the fender, minimize the rear You know, a modern day version of a bobber No, not a crappy Indian version No, not a weak Triumph version More like my interpretation of the old school meets new sport bike version So finally this winter, I started the project I bought a used fender I got my son, who's going to school for welding and metalworking, to chop it And I waited for two weeks for the guy who was to install the taillights, but that just never worked out. Finally, I decided to do it myself. I bought a set of LEDs online, and I actually called them first. Went to test them, and guess what? Nope, it didn't work. It seems that Victory had a great idea between 2005 and 2007 of running a 9-volt lighting system at the rear taillight. This meant that the rear taillight got 3 volts on the running light and about 3.1 on the brake light. What the fuck? Fortunately, I found a plug-and-play kit online which converts it to 12 volt. 100 bucks later and voila, I have rear lights that actually work. I buried the plate back in the rear fender underneath sport bike style and she's finally road ready. I've enclosed a couple of pics. I hope you've enjoyed the story. Dangerous, Dave. Cannot wait. All right, let's get into our next submission. Sorry, guys. It's, like, super late. I'm, like, seeing ghosts around here. Like, it's crazy. I'm staying up for the slam. I stayed up super late in order to get the last submissions. All right, next door. Hey there, Mr. Producer.
3: For this year's Solstice Slam, I thought I would uh, just go through my service notes that I have for my original VFR that I bought many years ago to commute back and forth between my home here in Marietta and when I used to work in Irvine. It was about a 70-mile or so one-way trip. Uh, So looking through the service notes, I bought the bike with a little over 33,000 miles and Primarily just did the, the basic oil change, oil filter. Um, I, I tend to do an oil filter every other oil change, uh, but I keep the oil changes at about 2,500 to 3,000 miles. Um, some modifications have kind of come and gone. I still have the micron pipe that I put on it in 2003 at about 37,000 miles Um Chains have lasted me anywhere between uh, 15,000 and 20,000 miles. And surprisingly, regardless of the maintenance I do on a chain, it doesn't really seem to change how much, uh, how long it lasts. Uh, I, I did a couple experiments where I just put the chain on and left it and didn't even adjust it. And it, um, I still got about 20,000 miles before the, the slapping got uh, uh, too much. Um, but generally I, I try and keep them adjusted and clean and, um, maybe every thousand miles or so I'll get down there and, and wipe it off and just put some new lube on the outside of it uh, and adjust it, make sure it doesn't have any, uh, tighter loose spots. Um, I did put a, at one point I put Scott Euler's auto luber on it where it's supposed to drop a little bit of chain lube on, um, as you're driving along it's vacuum actuated so as soon as you start the bike it, it starts dripping it a little bit on there but that was excessive it, it really made a mess and i could never dial it in so that it would um put just the right amount of lube on there uh, but again considering what i learned that it really doesn't matter for me whether i uh, to um get the most mileage out of it i figured what's what's the point of having that extra stuff on there um uh, I remember, let's see, back in 2004, uh, at about 77,000 miles, I put a factory pro shift kit in it, uh, because the shifting was getting kind of notchy, and that is, I don't know what it cost, maybe 80 bucks back then, and that is easily the the best mod that I've done to it. The shifting is, is like butter right now. It's uh, uh, so smooth, and, and that's, you know... Um, um, hundred and fifty thousand miles ago or so and and still the super super smooth shifting uh, I put dual star heated grips on there in 0 four as well um, those are still installed but I don't have a um, I don't have a, a fuse in there so the so those don't work um, but I haven't really used them that much I when um, I noticed when it just got too cold then I was wearing my heated gear and um, I I wired up for that probably a year after I put the um, the heated grips on and the the heated gear is just so much better with um, the Gerbing's uh, jacket and uh, heated gloves you just can't go wrong with that Um, and occasionally out here I'd I'd see temperatures down as low as uh, you know the Mid to high 30s, low 40s, anything like that, and you're and on a hour or so commute, you definitely want to gear up a little bit warmer and, and heated gears is a way to go there. Oh um, five, I put in race tech uh, gold valve emulators in the front. Uh, typically, since they're just in Corona, typically I would just pull the forks off and bring them in and and have them do it. I, I think I've had them rebuild them once somewhere. Um, I'm not sure when, but looks like I first did it at, at 78,000 miles. Uh, I've had that guy from Lindemann Engineering rebuild the rear shock on this. I did that at 80,000 miles, um, and uh, I don't think that's ever been rebuilt. Uh, that was when uh, the, that Jim Lindemann was, was still alive. He died a couple of years ago, but his, uh, his protege... Uh, I guess is still running the show Under under the same name Lindemann Engineering uh, He's a really good guy He's I, I think he's up in Redlands somewhere I, I went out there to, to meet him one time um, When I was in the area But he's he's a su- super smart guy Knows unbelievable amount About uh, motorcycle suspension um, I've got the Zero gravity double bubble screen Had that since 88,000 miles Um Let's see. Uh, I put on stainless steel braided lines. Uh, looks like that was at about 98,000 miles. Um, new batteries, let's see, 103,000 miles. Um, I do a valve check, uh, I think maybe every 25,000 miles, but um, typically there's there's nothing that any, uh, that ever needs adjustment, but the first three or four of those I, I did myself and it, it's not that bad. Um, it's not too bad getting to the front heads, uh, the front valve covers. The rears are a little bit tricky, um, to get to, uh, it's, but it's, it, it's a day long project, two days if you, if you're not rushing it. Um, and you know, if, if you're not looking to get the bike back on the road you can really take your time and um, and it, but it really isn't that bad it's the, the shim under bucket or whatever so um, even replacing the, the shims isn't too difficult um, but now the the last couple of years I just bring it into um, a shop and let them do it and it's just easier for me that way uh, let's see what else have I got on here um, coolant flushes I do looks like every couple of years um, us see, in 2007, at about 152,000 miles, I put in a, a regulator rectifier from a Gixer, Um And that worked great because the I, I forget if this had a stock rig wreck on it, but um, I just I had a meltdown one day. the starter relay uh, melted down and um, and I, I assume it was from the regulator rectifier. I replaced the starter relay, uh, and I put the, that Jixer reg rec on there. And I haven't done it since, um, so ever since then, all my other bikes, all my other street bikes, I, I put in Jixer reg recs, uh, on the five VFRs that I had, I, they all had the, those regulator rectifiers. Um, they've, they've worked great for me. They're beefier units. They got these nice big fins. Um, and I've, I've never had a problem uh brake pads here and there and checking valves oh it looks like it did I did do the at 188 thousand miles I rebuilt the race tech front forks I had them probably just uh, seals and and flush the uh, replace the fluid I'm assuming uh, I think it was more of a maintenance thing I figured after hundred thousand miles just to do it but I don't remember having any problems with the Front forks, uh, valve checks, chains, tires. Um, I've replaced the wiring here at to the regulator rectifier into the stator, uh, and I, I know I I did replace the the stator at one time. I, I I breezed over these notes and I can't find exactly where it happened. I remember the bike sat for about six months while I was planning to do that um, only because I was always trying to just get better charging out of it because uh, I have a Curiacan a LED voltmeter on it and um, depending on how long I was riding and how much stuff I had plugged in it, um, sometimes the charging would go down it would, it would show only about somewhere around 13 volts um, so I was always trying to fix that but um, and I never really got squared away, but I've never been left with a dead battery. And now I've got a, a, a lithium ion battery, and I've had that for maybe a year. And I don't even plug that in. The old lead acid batteries I always plugged in every night, I would plug it into the battery tender. Uh, but with this, with the new lithium ion batteries, I don't do that. And, and this bike will stay parked at the airport for. Two weeks, sometimes close to three weeks, and I'll come out there, and it just starts right up. Um, so I, uh, I'm not too worried about about the charging on it, even if it shows, you know, that, it, that it's not given a great charge. Um, but what it does now is after about a an, after about an hour on the road, the the charging just starts to trickle down a little bit, um, based on that that meter, which you can't really, you don't know exactly what it is, but it just it shows a good fourteen volts and then it drops down to thirteen, and then it just kind of stays there and um, but since I've never been stranded, then you know if it ain't broke, don 't fix it um, yeah, and that's about it. so the bike doesn't see as many miles as as it used to uh, when I was riding every day back and forth to Irvine, but now it uh, my commute is basically from from home to LAx uh, ninety miles or so, and um, that's just as much fun on the bike as, as, it ever has been. And it's on the way home from the airport last week, I rolled 264,000 miles. So I'm at 264,008 miles on it as of right now. So uh, that's it. That's my, my original gangster 94 VFR 750. Talk to you soon. Looking forward to motorcycle podcast challenge, bringing home that trophy.
0: Just for a point of reference, we never took home the trophy on the Learn Motorcycle Podcasters Challenge. We actually named our team, the very last time we ever did that was Shoot for Last. We we're going for last place. And I don't even know if they're having it again anymore. So uh 2022 um, might be the first year, or we don't do it. So I've, I really haven't checked in and seen if they're even doing it this year. And if they have, it's probably already passed. So... So we never did did take home that trophy, but, you know, if you know creative writing, we never take home first place in anything. One thing I will uh, say about listening to someone talk about their service records, which might sound mundane uh, to some people, it's interesting if you listen in detail to what um, Brian was saying there about the... uh, Reg Rex, you know, everything's got a GSXR Reg Rex. Some people are like, "Hey, I didn't know I could put a GSXR part on a Honda." Um and also the chains uh on these, you know, quarter million mile bikes that he has or had um last in 15,000 miles ish, you know. Uh 20 20,000 miles something like that. So um yeah, there's ever since that podcast there's been um I think he's he's down to the VFR that I have <laughs> and the VFR that he has, I think that's it, unless his nephew still has uh, the one that he uh, shipped off to him. And uh, basically, um, yeah, these bikes have, have gone through, you know, multi, multi uh, hundreds of thousands of miles um, and still lasted. So testament to the VFR and testament to uh Bri Viffer's maintenance of them. And let's uh, stop blabbing. Get, get back into Social Slam 3 uh, It was a pretty heavy year that year Pretty, pretty su- uh, submission heavy year um, Now let's move on to the next one This is going to be A little bit of uh, the poetry variety This one comes to us From our friend Matt At My, my Motorbike Obsessions And this is a little bit of Moto Haiku Blood Sweat Tears, foul words. Who thought self change is better? Damn, tire bead won't set. The windy road calls. Hot sweat pours from my damp brow. Hipster kickstart sucks. Enjoy, fellas. Matt at My Motorbike Obsessions. All right, thank you, Matt, so much for a little bit of the uh, 575. Two of them, my friend. Usually haikus and limericks come in the dirty variety on St. Patty's Day, but today they came in the motor variety for Solstice Slam 3. And if you want to check out a really cool blog, go check out My Motorbike Obsessions. Also, Matt, uh, checking in from Japan once in a while. He is out of the Navy. He is back in the states, and I cannot wait to do some more uh, historical collaborations uh, with my motorbike obsessions and uh, get back into the uh, the swing of things. That was some really fun episodes that we did regarding licensing in Japan and the the Cub and. Super Cub, which I know some people confuse the Cub and the Super Cub. One's 50cc, has been around for 3,000 years. One's a 125, and it's been around since 2017 or 18. Uh, listen, the... Uh, <laughs> I do want to... Uh, preface this next clip by saying if you're not a patron subscriber, uh, if you're not a patron on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash creative writing, you get entered into the social slam to win cheesy prizes. Sometimes we do tool giveaways, you know, sometimes just whatever that year dictates. This this last year's been a little slow, but trust me, I've been coming up with stuff for the past six months, and you guys are going to get flooded with it uh, here in quarter three. Um, But also... Our patron subscribers in the past have been treated to gems like this. But uh, they also get some pretty cool songs, sort of like this one. Along with my vest my chaps. This wouldn't be a hit song if there wasn't a break with claps. <laughs> so yeah, sometimes I lay them down, folks. Sometimes I lay them down. Ah! Yes, so if you would like some awesome music Like the patrons got It's a patron only jam Check us out www.patreon.com Forward slash creative writing And that's that (laughs) Alright, let's get back to the slam I shouldn't play favorites, but this one's one of my favorites. This one's coming to us from a new listener named Chris and uh, never met Chris or or, uh, received any correspondence from him until he sent in this whopper. So let's, uh, let's set the mood for this. All right, here we go. This is the story of how I ended up laying down on a Pasadena sidewalk out of breath, in pain and with a 10 pound bag of ice on my groin It was October 8th 2010 I don't remember because of the crash but because it was my ex-girlfriend's birthday Strike 1, October 8 I was 21 and riding a 2002 Honda Rebel 250 that would have problems shifting gears if I rode too long my friends invited me to the Pasadena Art Walk for some drinks and culture. And I finished work and, although tired, decided to head over. I took side streets avoiding the freeway, in part because it was a 250, and another because I was tired. As I was entering Pasadena traveling on Colorado Boulevard, some 16 year old Namazda 6 with like Utah plates decides to take a left in front of me. Other riders have told me this is a common crash. I hit her passenger side front wheel and my bike goes up in the air and comes back down on top of my leg. I feel the exhaust pipes start to burn my ankle through my jeans as I try to kick the bike off me. And then all of a sudden, faces start popping up all around my visor, asking questions all at the same time. Are you okay? Is anything broken? Does anything hurt? Yeah, something hurts, guy. I just crashed my body into a motorcycle at like 40 miles per hour. To literally add insult to injury, my friends are texting and leaving me voicemails asking why I'm late. Maybe it's because I can't walk due to the pain in my groin, Lorraine. And in all fairness to Lorraine, she did rush over to help. I get put into an ambulance, but I'm able to sign a waiver to be released instead of heading to the hospital. Lorraine is the first to make it to the crash site and manages to get a giant bag of ice from one of the nearby bars. She says they were all excited to find out I wasn't dead. I was still unable to walk, so I just sat down on the sidewalk all disheveled with some maximum helmet hair and close to 10 pounds of ice on top of my groin. My favorite part of the whole story is when I finally looked at my little Honda, there was a new dent where my groin had hit the gas tank. So that was my introduction for a while, the guy who dented metal with his balls. Anyway, insurance claimed the bike is a total loss, and I forgot to tell them I had like two-week-old Pirelli tires on it and uh, Pasadena also had the nerve to send me a cleanup bill because I got oil and glass all over their precious streets. I got lucky. I only walked away with bruises, swelling, and scrapes. And now I'm on an 883 Sportster and still avoid going to Pasadena. Chris. All right, next up on the slam, I think this is our final submission. Uh, I've checked all the inboxes and the message bins and uh, everywhere from Tucumcari, New Mexico, down to uh, shady parts of Australia, and I couldn't find anything, so I think, I'm pretty sure this is our last one for
13: the night, and here it goes. Hello, Creative Riding, Junkster and Wiggins. This is WIR's Top 10's very own Nitrous Chris Sinks. I'm chiming in from beautiful Waukesha, Wisconsin. This year for the Solstice Slam, I was struggling a bit for a topic to speak on. Then uh, while listening to the best motorcycle podcast that I listen to on Fridays from roughly 1 to 3 p.m. when I'm bored, a topic popped into my head. Just how terrible your show is. It makes me want to go ride and race and work on stuff like nonstop. How the hell is my wallet supposed to keep up with all that added maintenance from all this extra motivated riding? And there it is. Motivation. The topic, last year was a rough year for me, and the extra long winter didn't help things. So on a cold 27-degree February day, I decided with the help of your show and my newfound health, I was going to travel and race and ride every available opportunity I had this season. So you guys think you're just sitting around yapping about flat track, fun rides, bike shows, or hooligan things? You should know that it keeps the fire burning in at least one Midwestern creative rider. This year was a slow start, but I managed to make my first passes of the season in front of a packed house at a street out, street outlaws race, uh, called, uh, nuclear no prep in Cordova, Illinois on April 28th. Latest start for racing for us ever. Uh, I then got to go to uh WIR after that race for our first real street drags of the season, as well as the weekend after I believe was our first top 10 race. Unfortunately, two races were rained out, but we won't blame you for that one. Like the year prior when you rained us out like four times, but who's keeping track, uh, in between race bike maintenance and racing and driving and work, I still managed to get about a thousand miles in on the super Duke while listening to your show and getting more ideas of things to do or research again, motivation. It took me quite a bit to, uh, start Listening for more of the details about things you guys were talking about and uh, I started doing more research on things that I had no real prior knowledge or interest in and uh, it kind of it gets gets creative juices flowing. It just makes you want to go do more and better things. Uh, Speaking of which this coming weekend, I'll be leaving Waukesha and driving to Cedar Falls, Iowa for a race called No Prep, No Problem. I'll be camping on Friday night racing on Saturday, then Saturday night I'll trek back to uh, the northern part of Wisconsin to uh, WIR for a $1,000 to win race on Sunday if it seems like I'm just tooting my own horn horn here, I am I do it to hopefully get more people out to just get after it, the same way your show got me to get after it just to say, I want to go do more shit I want to do more stuff like that guy or what those guys are doing and we're only into May now there's more racing rides and projects to do yet during our short two wheel season. Who knows what will come next? Thank you guys for making the downtime more enjoyable. And here's to a great 2018 riding season for everyone. Thank you guys. That's awesome. You know, I,
0: I miss, I miss Singsime, something awful. Singsime, if you're out there, I hope you're still listening to our show, doing what you do. We often think about you and, uh, often, Uh, talk about you still in our circles here in the studio and i know that you are doing (laughs) doing dirty dodge stuff and doing uh you know keeping mopar alive and keeping your no nitrous crisp bike alive and uh you know the more and more we get into technology and fuel mapping and away from carburation and all that fun stuff it'd be it'd be really cool to have uh him come on the show for the first time in a while and talk to us about the nerd side of, uh, you know, basically motorcycle business and taking taking care of it out there on the track. Well, before we, uh, let's take a, a quick uh, call here before we get on to Solstice Slam 4, Solstice Slam 3 was such a heavy submission year. It took a couple years to get up and then right at our pinnacle, I feel like we got punched in the gut. And had COVID, not everybody was writing and uh, not everybody was submitting. And I think podcasts in general dropped off, uh, listens, which really sucks for us. So, uh, I mean, it sucks for all podcasts, but when you're small like us, it really sucks. So hopefully there's some new listeners coming back on. Uh, here's a call from a new one right now.
11: Inspiring. I'm giving you a courtesy follow-up call uh, before All right caller, well, hey, let's, let's uh, put you Please on hold real quick and
0: a... uh, we'll get back to you in a second. In the meantime, let's jump into Solstice Slam 4. Uh, we're going to we're going to get into a few things here. Uh, as a friendly reminder, um, per usual, the uh Slam is brought to you by the good folks at uh, Klobman Pickles, they're going to throw in a few sticker packs this year for our lucky winner, perhaps even a Klobman shirt for the first time ever uh, to be brought into production. Um, While we're waiting for that, why don't we have another call-in user. This is off our Discord channel. Uh, Go ahead, caller are
4: to inform you that your vehicle's coverage
0: may have... All right, and we'll get back to you in a minute. Hang on, stick on hold there. We'll get back to your question and your submission. But uh, in the meantime, let's jump into Social Slam 4. Um, it was the the last of the last before um, before the lockdowns and everything went sideways, like I mentioned earlier. And let's see what sort of hijinks we got into on the fourth edition of Social Slam on this Best of the Slam. Okay, everybody, I hope you're ready to rock and uh, to roll. uh, This is uh, Basura (laughs) Junkmani. I am... uh uh, the Argentinian version of Junkie turdman <laughs> Here to guest us, the uh, slam. All right, it's just me. It's Junkmeister. Uh, I'm ready. This is the fourth installation of Solstice Slam. I am ready to kick this baby off, and I hope you are too. It's Friday. It's your reg- regularly scheduled show. So why don't we get into it? And this is a special show. If you've never joined us for the slam before, this is the all- a listener content show. I have nothing. I usually have a little bit to say, but I have nothing to say this time. I guess I should turn myself up here. All comic relief aside, there was uh, on the Social Slam 4, which I uh, thought I had downloaded into my <laughs> uh, doll here. I did not. But uh, yeah, we had Austin from Twisted Road on, and so many things have changed, uh, so many things you know, that he's done. Um, with his company have changed over the years but we got a really cool chance to speak with him and here is what he said that year
11: i want to say we didn't touch on this which i just remembered is we we started a partnership recently with cycle gear oh and so there's five cycle Gear locations one in san diego three in la one in sf and if and they they act as remote pickup drop-off locations for our company perfect so if you're if you if you put a bike on the site and and you, and you you can't be there for the rider when he comes, you bring it to Cycle the night before, and they handle the exchange. Oh
0: man, that is so cool to have a partnership with a well-known company like that. That's another. Another great idea, man. I, yeah, I, I got yeah. my, my tally down here. You have 11 great ideas. <laughs> so, oh, man. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, that's so cool. Well, well, I had a blast yakking, and uh, yeah, I'll see you, at the, see you at the OG, I hope. so. See you at the OG. You yep. got All right. So we were yapping. We we're going to meet at the OG show um, You know, later that month or, or the end of the month. That was in March of 2019. Summer was still upon the Midwest. He was in Chicago at the time, and it was like – you know, when it, when temps were hitting 40 or 45, he was getting out to ride just because that's how, how cold it gets there. So, <laughs> anyways, great show, Social Slam 4, uh, from March, uh, I believe March 19th, 2019, or March 22nd, 2019, something like that. Um, let's get into some of the other submissions from that year right now on Creative Rudding in uh, L.A. And uh, coming to you from the construction-ridden sounds of downtown, here is... The Solstice Slab. First up is a
1: submission
10: from Chris Stingstein. I tried three times to record this descendant, but the voice recorder I downloaded went corrupt and it shuts off my phone after 30 seconds. So there's that. Anywho, I wanted to talk a bit about riding and racing motorcycles in Wisconsin and dealing off season. I just got my bike out of storage at the shop a few days ago. It was only 37 degrees out, but the weather is turning for the better. <laughs> Having not been on a bike in about four months, this route is going to bring my bike home made me realize how it waits is always worth it. As much as I would love to ride year-round, and I may, when I retire, I love the feeling The first spring ride brings each year and it may be cool out yet. The smell of spring is in the air. The best thing about having an off season, I feel like every spring I get to go to experience motorcycling for the first time every year. Imagine that way you felt the first time you sit out on the streets, get that every 365 days to me. The anticipation of, of snow melting, roads drying, getting the bike ready for what I know is the best season of riding I've had yet, it is worth the wait. I say that because every year I get to ride, it is the best one yet. Never stop enjoying it, and I never run out of things see seeing people to do, and meet at the gas station as well, out on warm weekend tours. And maybe the off-season that makes a slam, see what I did over there? So much into our summers here. I don't know if I could ever love the winter, but the love our summer creates is immeasurable. And yeah. if it went and if it wasn't for downtime for winter I broke from racing and never get to do the winter rebuilds help us handy and Creative. Did it again. So we may not have 365 riding. Make it up for sheer passion for the time we get to get. And the positive vibe you feel from all bikers in this area shows is a common love, and good for the soul. Thank you to the crew at Creative Riding for continuing to put out an awesome show every week. It helps us get through that downtime and builds up excitement in the riding journal. You provide us with ideas and reasons to ride. Keep up the great work. We love and need you, Junkie Wigs and the Conscious J. Be safe,
0: ride long. Alright, alright. Beat it. Get out of here. Just take the money that you're owed and get out of here. That was a terrible read. That's the last time I hire a drunk person to read anything on the show. Alright, well that was from Chris Sime. I think what he was getting at is that... Uh, if it weren't for the winter time and their time down, he wouldn't have this glorious, glorious makeup time with his bike. And if you're checking out anything on Nitrous Chris or anything from the WYR Top 10, you'll know Nitrous Chris is going to be going by Turbo Chris this year. Thank you for another wonderful slam submission, uh, Mr. Singsheim. We'll, maybe we'll put the text for that in the notes so the readers can read it for themselves because uh, that jockey that I picked up over at Santa Anita when I was going to check out the, uh, the derby, <laughs> you know, we were going over there to sc- scope out the uh, the show for the Californian And I just saw this little jockey wandering around look looked like he needed a drink The last time I get somebody like that to read on the show Alright, this next submission comes to us From another listener Let's uh, let's hear it loud and loud and clear, fellas
3: Hey, Mr. Producer Welcome back um, A couple of things I thought I'd update you on That I'm very excited about The first one is I've Finally got my VMAX back on the road I've been sitting collecting dust For several years and uh, brought it to TechWorks in um, in Fontana and they pulled the carbs, cleaned them out real well and then did everything else needed to get it back on the road, flush the coolant system and uh, hydraulic lines, things like that and rode it around town for the first time in probably about three years and felt really good, got some new tires on it that was a lot of fun so I'm waiting for the warmer weather now for that one drive it a little bit more and the other update is I'm back working locally now so not traveling like I like I was the last couple of years I was in Europe for about a year and then I was just finished my project in India but now I'm back working in Irvine so I've got my commute up to 15 and the 91 and the toll roads every day and Coming home Friday is probably the heaviest traffic I've ever been through. It was just congested all the way from the toll roads. The, uh, the 91, there was a couple spots on the, on the carpool lanes that were open up, or the toll lanes, um, just a couple of miles, and then it backed up again. The 15, all the way from the 91 down to Lake Elsinore, it was, it was just a mess. But better to do it on a bike than in the car. It's a lot more fun that way. Um, So those are the the two big updates Um, Looking forward to Motorcycle Podcasters Challenge Coming up That'll be fun Um, And uh, we'll we'll get the VFRs Back on the road and put some miles On those and looking forward to the Challenge I think we'll be able to Wipe the rest of the teams this year Shouldn't be a problem So it's always fun listening to the show, and uh, we'll, we'll talk to you soon. Oh, yeah, and I got the uh, registration renewal for, for the VFR, so we're going to have to meet up at some point so I can get the new sticker to you. Talk to you later.
0: Yeah, baby, I can't wait for that one. And me either. All right, that was legendary field producer Bri Viffer coming to us from Southern California. Uh, not out in the field, apparently. So, yeah, I am super excited about this. He's had this VMAX forever. If you don't know uh, Bri Viffer, if he'd go back to the other Solstice Slams, there's one where he read us off. I think it was a second Solstice Slam. Maybe it was his first one. He read us off the uh, incredible... Amount of miles he's put on the like four or five VFRs that he's had uh, over the few year, last few years, or so or over the decade. Sorry, sorry, Paul, I put it out there. You've had them for like over ten years. So, uh, anyway, let's get on to our next submission, and uh, I'm just as excited about this one. But I do need someone to read it. And you heard Krampus there. I think we're gonna get Krampus read it. Krampus, how how are you on uh, Canadian Accents? Death and destruction, eh? Alright, well we'll just we'll roll with it. We'll see we'll see how you do. Alright, this next submission comes to us from the great white North Pole, almost North Pole. Riding off down a
11: dimly lit street, eh? Excited for all the people I'll meet, eh? Merging into traffic's flow, often fast and sometimes slow. Nothing beats my time in the seat, eh? Listen, I got a limerick for you. It's about meeting people on Christmas.
0: Wait a minute. Before you do that, I got a better... Uh, let me just freestyle one. Uh, writing... In weather that's 40 below, there must be tons of ice and there must be tons of snow. I hope I don't slip and break my hip because I'm not a youngster, don't you know, eh? (laughs) Right. That was pretty good, right? Terrible. Oh. Well, how about this one? Lance is one of my favorite Patreons uh, who eats poutine. His letters are always cool and he's never mean. He supports the show. It's great. He lives in Canada, mate. That's Australian. Oh god, this limerick's going nowhere. Anyway, let's get on to the next submission. Hey, Junkie, Matt from My Motorbike Obsessions here. Brought up some new motorcycle haiku inspired from my last race. Here you go. Driving deep, tap brake. Watch out, two bikes down from crash. Lay down in hope.
12: This next one comes from my open beginner class race later on in the
0: night. See the green twist gas. Hold my line, take the inside. First time, not in last.
3: Have
12: a great Solstice Slam. I hope you enjoy my contribution. Matt out. I'm not the mood.
8: But a person needs new experiences.
0: Uh... So this is kind of funny I, uh, I actually have met Three of our patrons One from Wisconsin Who's Narissa uh, Of course Private for Paul Who is Letting me ride his bike And Matt From My Motorbike Obsessions Now Matt I snuck up on him At the last uh, Paris Round 2 Yeah The Southern California Flat Track Association I went out there and I wanted to see him race And I went up to him And I started asking him About his bike Checking it out He started telling me about it and then I said, my name's Junkie, by the way. And he almost spit out his water all over I'm me. It was familiar. great. But Matt, that was a fun night, fun watching your race. And I'm glad I got to see some haiku talking about it. All right. right, let's. Uh, actually, you know what? That is the slam. And uh, that little piece of music I just played right there Goes out to my good buddy Dad Bod. He's uh, made some music for our show Let me use it uh, free of charge Which you can do too And uh, if you'd ever want to submit something for the slam Or submit music to the show Just let me know But uh, yeah he's going through some cancer treatment right now so he's, uh, you know, I just wanted to rep, rep some of his stuff that he's let us use and say thanks buddy and I'm glad you're glad you're pulling through. The last piece of slam submission that we have is actually a piece of art by uh, Ray up in Portland who or up in Oregon who is actually uh, another patron and uh, he sent us this Awesome piece of art. Now I'm going to post all the texts up there, um, like for Mr. Stings, Mr. Sting's time. <laughs> that jockey, I swear to, you, I'll never, you know, have a random guy from Santa Anita read anything again. But uh, I will definitely have um, his text up there. I will have Ray's picture, which is actually going to be the artwork for the the show. If you go to our SoundCloud page or check us out on our Facebook. Or- all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna fade us out here. Um, yeah, Ray, Ray Fantabulous Art there. Uh, it was me doing a wheelie on my, um, SR250 and, uh, with microphone falling off the back of me. Oh, oh, I might not want to do that. I might want to bring this back for a hot 2nd But ding right. When you're running right the board and you got like four different inputs coming in and you're Pushing knobs up and down, and you're slinging. <laughs> you're slinging, I don't know, slinging slime. Uh, yeah, things get confusing sometimes when you see audio stuff blank out. It didn't blank out. Uh, anyways, yeah, that, um, that uh, fabulous Solstice Slam 4. Solstice Slam 5 was what I called Solstice Slam, and that was 2019. That was, I'm saying, that was our magnificent year. We skipped the slam altogether in 2020. We brought it back last year. And uh, there was nothing. There was a couple art submissions, but other than that, nothing. And so I was really hoping this year would bring a little bit more uh, to the slam. What happened was I decided to include the Crash Stories, which is uh, great, and I'm glad I did. Because, again, Social Slam lacked the traction that I was hoping it would get in its... Uh, you know, second year trying to sc- scrabble back from, from the ashes. So we're about two and a half hours in. I know you've all been waiting for this moment to see who the winner is. Uh, and I'm, I'm actually still, uh, right now, still making some more stuff that I'm going to send our patrons. I'll send to all of our patrons some Patreon goodies this year, um, as well as our slam winners, uh, their fun and hijinks. Uh, but now... Uh, Before we hit the two-and-a-half-hour mark, I'm sure this is 4th of July weekend. This this is 12 hours of Solstice Slam uh, audio that I had to sift through here. So we're a couple days late on this, and I apologize. So hopefully you're listening to this on the 4th. Happy 4th of July to all you uh, freedom-loving Americans out there. Um, Sorry to all you British out there. I mean, I guess we just signed the declaration we hadn't gone to war yet I, you know so we, you you hadn't lost yet technically but uh and sorry to anybody else that uh you know <laughs> has had some repercussions from the day we're going to celebrate but i'm i'm going to drink some beer and listen to some fireworks tomorrow and make this country motorcycle again all right let's get to the winners of social slam and let's let's hear well Already, I could tell you, Johnny Roundtree. Uh, I really appreciate the videos that you sent for the last, you know, few months, and I think last year as well. So already, uh, in my heart, you have won our video segment. Uh, Rob last year, as I mentioned, submitted something, and his daughter submitted something in the form of some artwork. Um, and I'm pulling that right up right now. Uh, and. Uh, you know, Rob's had a crash story this year too, which is great. So I'm gonna I'm gonna roll right now and see. Uh, let me see, roll, pick some names out that can put our patron names in there, put our uh, crash submission stories in there, and I'm gonna pull it live. Actually, Tobor, maybe I'll let you read it. You've been sitting here this whole time, just listening to me gab and listen to old replays. Most of those years you weren't in. You were in the very first year of the show. You bailed me like a jerk. You stole my motorcycle, actually. You came back hat in hand. Well, I guess not a hat. It's like, what what would you call that? Your uh, exhaust valve plate cap in hand, whatever goes on the top of your head there, um, in hand, begging me for a spot back on the show.
2: Junkie, that is a terrible lie. I don't have any caps. Unless you are talking about my core application protection sensor which regulates the gimbal and anti-gravitational force modulator in my processor's containment unit.
0: Dude, listen. I didn't know you pronounced it gimbal. I thought it was always gimbal. But, okay, so you might not have any caps. Will you still please read the the, uh, stupid thing? Yes. Okay, that's all I wanted. That's all I needed, Tobor. Just read the winner. All right, everybody. Well, the only uh, fair way I could think of to split the art category into would be to a... um, Oh, what am I talking about? Johnny Roundtree is the only one that's been uh, submitted any, quote, art this year. And so, Johnny Roundtree, we're going to be sending you a... uh, (laughs) Thanks for the late sound effect. A uh, $25 gift ticket. I've had one beer today folks A gift certificate to cycle gear And uh, probably a little Pack of pens or something too We got some some art stuff uh, picked out Um, And also Rob from last year Don't worry we're going to get you and your daughter hooked up Um, This year the only way to decide I think Tobor you can pick And I don't want you to uh, I don't want you to, like, calculate or anything like that. The only way I think of that's fair for us to decide who is Solstice Slam winner uh, is take all the crash stories, put them in our can that we've had for a while that we used to have to do punishments from, shake it up, which I've done really well. I was shaking it up and up and up and up and up. And uh, we're going to lay a target on the ground, and I'm going to drop them down, and whoever comes closest to the target is going to win. And this has got all of our uh, $5 nut patrons in there. Or $10 nut patrons, eh? It's five five dollar nut patrons. Um, and all of the crash submitters, even the folks on Reddit, uh, who don't even know they are potentially in the running. So I am going to go ahead and do this really quick. And Tobor, you can do the you can do the sound effect. And I might take this for video for anybody that wants confirmation that we did it fair and square. I'll see if I can get this on my phone. Tobor, you can uh roll me out here on the drums. And the winner of Solstice Slam 2022 is the one, the only, so we're not gonna knock it off. Yeah, <laughs> stop, you robotic menace. The winner is... The one and only. Hey, we're going to blow people's eardrums out. Stop it.
5: Access granted.
2: Chad Clonk, you have won Solstice Slam. Oh,
0: my God. Chad Klonk, you won. <laughs> Chad Clink from uh, Wisconsin. Chad, awesome. Oh, my God. This is so cool. I don't think Chad... Uh, he's been a Patreon subscriber forever, but I don't think he's ever won anything. This is fantastic. Chad, wow, amazing. Give me your uh, helmet size, and I'll be reaching out to you for that. We dropped, yeah, from up in Wisconsin. You got it. We uh, <laughs> we got a bunch of, um, uh, you know, all of our entrants. We dropped them from a specific height. They went into a Target, and... Uh, uh, Chad Clink fell into the actual target. Uh, that is pretty amazing. So, Chad, congrats, my man. And ShotDog42 from Reddit, you were extremely, extremely close. We got another, uh, got video verification of it. We got a couple photographs. Maybe we'll stick them up on our blog uh, for Social Slam this year. But, man, OMG, Chad Clink, congrats, my brother. Uh, this is exciting. I'll be reaching out to you after the show. Uh, to get you helmet size. And, uh, wow. Everybody, thank you so much for, uh, this year, for Patreon, uh, for Patreon, for <laughs> supporting the slam. And, hey, Tobor, where's all of our sound effects? Oh, yeah, that's right. We haven't turned off. Turn back on the board. We're not, <laughs> yay. Oh my God. My eardrums. Jesus, Tobor. Uh, yeah, we are, uh, not done with the slam yet. We need some more applause and more, some more congratulations. Not the wantwa tobori. Bad sound, bad robot. Uh, but anyways, thank you everybody who played. Thanks for everybody for participating. Thank you for sticking around for two and a half hours to listen to uh, us blab about an event that we love, but nobody else does. And I think for this year's outro, I'm gonna stick us with the outro from Solstice Slam Three. I believe it was uh, a fabulous, fabulous cacophony. Uh, of the sounds we love, the reasons we ride. Everybody, thank you so much. Thank you for all all of our uh, Patreon supporters. And thank you uh, for everybody that submitted on Reddit. Uh, And yeah, uh, heads up, if you'd like to... uh, Email the show next year, slam at creative-writing.com is how you can reach us or just send us an email at podcast at gmail.com. Um, any show topics, any fun things like that you want to do, any social slam submissions now is not too early to start submitting for next year uh, if you want. Uh, we're going to try to get some more uh, fabulous and glorious prizes, um, make them bigger, better, and more worth your time. Hopefully, maybe get some more submissions. We'll see. But anyways, thanks everybody for tuning in. Uh, have a good one. And as usual, peace, grease, Tell your niece, Clarice. Well, God, no. Let me, uh, let me roll the outro from Salsa Slam Three to kick us out of here. Take it easy, everyone. Love you. Bye. In the world. Hope you enjoy the slam. Come back next year and listen, guys and gals out there. You can always next year uh, record it yourself on your phone, send it to Creative Writing Podcast or Slam at Creative Writing, uh, just using the voice memo on your smartphone much better to hear it coming out of your lush and uh full rich voices rather than me telling your story for others to hear all right everyone peace and grease say hi to your niece clarice same sign off two weeks in a row i need to be killed all right that was Uh a slam